All right, it's time for your Miami Sports Pod. Will Manso play for Earl here into a new week for the Miami Heat and a week that begins, Clay, with the Heat winners of four straight. I'm not sure there's a streakier team in the NBA right now. If they won 11-12, then <laughs> they lost six in a row. Now they've won four in a row. And as they get into the stretch run, and they really are in the stretch run of the postseason race and into the you know final 20 or so of the regular season, this week they've got Memphis on Tuesday, Lakers on Thursday, and it's a Lakers team. We can certainly talk about that game that looks nothing like the Lakers team we're used to. And then they start a really tough road trip in Portland next Sunday. But, Clay, let's start with the way of late they played. Four straight wins. Victor Oladipo, uh, the, the casual fan will tell you he's not shooting the ball well, he's not playing well, he's not scoring. I think the more in tune fan will say that'll come, but look at the defense he's already playing in the Heat system. Which one do you lean with? Well, certainly towards the latter. And, and I think the other thing is, even if the offense doesn't come to the point where he wants it to, and I thought he was really thoughtful talking about this on Saturday night and, and just going through what he's been through the last two years. And, you know, he said, look, I, I'm, not, I'm not here to make excuses, but here are the facts. I mean, I had a, a torn quad. And, and as he put it, it's a um, a lower extremity injury and one that, hey, I mean, that's naturally going to affect your explosiveness. And there's a lot of rehab there. Um, and then he said, I've also been in three different systems between then and now. And again, he was saying all this because he was answering a question. He was not making an excuse, but he was detailing, hey, you know, I'm going to get through this, but just so everybody understands, and since you asked the question, this is what I've been through. So that's the offensive side. What you already see defensively is, and it's not just him individually, but it's him within the team concept. And what was amazing to me, Will, was watching the uh, game against the Warriors. And the first two possessions for Golden State told you exactly what the Heat envisioned this team to be moving forward. First possession, Steph Curry gets the ball off the, off the tip. Uh, Oladipo is on him, on the ball. Guy comes up and sets a screen. Ariza switches on to Curry. Curry tries a jump shot, and, and Ariza stuffs it right back in his face. Then uh, Warriors throw it inbounds. They get off a terrible shot because the Heat are switching at the perimeter. Second possession for Golden State, Oladipo switches off in the corner, forces a turnover. I, I mean, so, so what you're seeing is by putting Oladipo out there, you now have another phenomenal wing, a perimeter defender, backcourt defender, so that what the Heat can do now is, hey, you know, if, if Duncan Robinson is somebody other teams are targeting, guess what? He'd have no problem switching. And, and you're going to have, at, at any one time, Oladipo, Andre Iguodala, Trevor Ariza, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler. You have five good to great defenders. And, and so what I think you can already see, before we even get into, you know, what, what Oladipo can be offensively, it's the fact that within this concept, you're already seeing immediately the fact that the Heat's uh, floor and ceiling defensively have just gone through the roof, and I, it's just going to get better. Yeah, and I think that's what you look at. Look, when they got Oladipo, obviously they got him as a scorer. We talked about it a bit about the possibility of getting him or a scorer like him. They end up getting him. He is, though, a high-volume shooter. And at times, you know, for instance, he was, what, 3 of 13 the other night. He's not shooting the ball well from three. I'm talking about the weekend game against the Cavs. He's going to need to take shots to score. That's the type of player he is. He's not like Jimmy in the sense Jimmy could have a night where he takes nine shots and he scores 26 points because he gets to the free throw line 15 times. And and it's okay with Oladipo that there's going to be those games where he's going to need to take 15, 18 shots. 
the thing with him is he's going to get to the point where he was at Houston that when he has those 18, 20 shot nights, 16 shot nights, he'll score 20 plus points. And mm -hmm. right now we haven't seen it yet at Miami. It's going to come. I feel comfortable about that. You referenced his, the, I thought the interesting comments he had over the weekend about his health and just getting back to, not that he's not healthy, but that he's still working his way back to where he was. And let's not forget, I mean, he's still, he's in his you know, later 20s, not late 20s, but mid to late 20s at 28. He's still got a lot of basketball left in him. He's still though, working his way back to the player he was. But I go back to that defense, Clay. I watched him, you know, I watch him play and just the way he works. He looks like he was built for the Heat system. And he looks like he was, he was raised in the culture of the defense, you know, factory that the Heat have with their players. And oftentimes it takes those players a training camp, 20 games into the season to really get comfortable. And it's interesting that you look at two of the players they acquired in the last month, right? Looked like they were built for this. Trevor, yeah. Trevor Reza and Victor Oladipo. And I think when you talk to Eric Spolster or any of the Heat players, that's why they kind of like brush off any offensive talk. Even so with Ariza, who's not going to be the type of scorer Oladipo is. But we've already, in what, two weeks, seen Ariza get comfortable. You, you leave him alone on the outside. You want him shooting it, and now he's starting to make it. You know, and it's going to come with Oladipo, the slashing, the scoring. We are seeing the facilitating. We're seeing the defense. That's why the defense has to be ahead of the offense, and it has been for a reason, Oladipo, and it's no surprise the Heat have won four straight games. Now, into this new week, look, this is the stretch where the Heat have to get well before that road trip. I mentioned that trip. They've won four in a row. they got a couple of games with Memphis and the Lakers who were just completely beat up um, at home. They need to get some distance above 500 now before that road trip because, Clay, it is the nitty-gritty, and I think you and I both agree that he'd have to have the four or five seed. They really do. They have to be at four or five, and I'll feel comfortable. If they slide into that sixth spot and that's where they end up, man, that's a tough first-round matchup no matter who they get. Yeah, and I, you know, as we sit here on, on Sunday night, it looks more likely than not that it would be Milwaukee. And, and do I think they could beat them? Sure. But I don't, I don't think that you, you – you don't want to do that in the first round. The one thing I really want to see them avoid, Will, if they fall to the six, I at least feel like they've, they've got a shot to get past that. Don't fall to seven. And, and you know, the, the thing that you're looking at the standings as we sit here now, you know, Charlotte, it's, it's, a, you know, it's a shame because they're going to be without LaMelo Ball perhaps for the rest of the year. Maybe he could come back for the postseason – and then we found out over the weekend that, that Gordon Hayward's going to be out for an extended period of time uh, with a foot injury. And, you know, so Charlotte's a team that, that's going to hold the tiebreaker over Miami. And, and so, you know, you, you don't want to see guys get injured. And yet when you're looking at this from the Heat's perspective and, you know, the teams that they're going to be jostling with, that may be a team that falls back a little bit because of those injuries. And, and so then you start to circle a team like Boston. Like, at what point are they going to figure it out? And, and maybe they're going to. So, you know, I, I, I'm less concerned about the Knicks, about the Hawks, although their ceiling is certainly um, at a decent level. But, you know, I, I don't want to see this team fall back to the point where they're having to rely on Boston falling off down the stretch to avoid hitting that six or seven spot. And, and you know, I – so, yeah, you got you got to make good at home. And thankfully, they've done that up to this point on the trip. The Memphis game is big to me um, because, you know, when they play the Lakers, look, it, you, you're not going to dismiss any opponent. And, and the Lakers have actually pre played pretty good defense of late. Uh, and yet, look, with LeBron and, and Anthony Davis both after that game, it, it's, it's a game that you would have to think they're going to find a way to pull off. 
you find a way to beat Memphis, and then all of a sudden you win both those games, and you're looking at being four games over 500 before you go on that West Coast road trip. It's going to be really hard. Um, so, yeah, yeah you're, you're getting to the point in the season because you lost some games early in the year that you shouldn't, that now you have to take advantage of these games at home that are left. And, and I thought four and one would be a good stretch. Uh, when they when they started uh, getting the guys that they got at the at the deadline, the elites in that first game against the Knicks, as we sit here tonight, they're four and zero. So find a way to beat Memphis, um, and then potentially get to six and zero since then, and then you you have at least a little bit of a cushion to where hey, if you go one and three on that road trip, you can make good at home. You know, you mentioned. Um... You mentioned Bielitsa, and I'm glad you did, because I think that's where I think Heat fans are still – look, he, he is getting also more comfortable. Even though you – when I say comfortable, the stats won't necessarily point to that, but when you watch the games, he seems to now be a better understanding where he needs to be on the floor, the spacing, uh, what he's needed as far as inside and trying to get rebounds, and also his facilitating. He had a couple of really nice passes, a couple of cuts to the basket. You can tell he's getting more comfortable. He's a veteran who's going to get there. But it still goes to the question of, do they have enough size? You know, and it's, it's a weird question too, Clay, because the reality is this. We know come playoff time, the, the playoff rotation is going to be tight, right? It's going right. to be really, really tight. And when you start looking at the players that the Heat have on their roster and the players that are going to play on their roster, how many more deep into the rotation? And when I say that, is acquiring a player, a buyout, a free agent, somebody who's out there and available – can the Heat really get, and how much will they use that player? There's all the talk about, oh, they didn't get LaMarcus Aldridge. You know, Jang ended up signing elsewhere with San Antonio. What ends up happening with the, with this team and the size? You know, they have Precious, who I'm not sure they feel comfortable. I don't see Precious as a rotation guy come to play. No. But when you look at Bam, and you look at Ariza, and Bielitsa, and Butler, and Dragic, and Tyler Hero, and Iguodala, Oladipo, Duncan Robinson, you're, you're, you're already, what, nine players in? You know, yeah. where, where are you going elsewhere? Are you going to delve into Precious Achua minutes? I guess that's where your size comes in eventually if you need it. But I really don't think that's what the Heat are thinking. Uh, if they can get a guy out there, I just don't know what's really out there. I get asked this, I know you do too on social media and just in general. I'm like, hey, man, when are the Heat going to get size? Guys, they're just not going to pull a rotation player out of the sky at this point of the season, plug him in and be a 15, 20-minute guy in the playoffs. I just don't see that happening. No, and, and that's where it's okay. Who are you looking for? And, and you hear the name Dwayne Dedman a lot. I mean, if Mark Gasol ends up getting bought out from the Lakers, but I, I can't see that happening necessarily because why would the Lakers buy somebody out that, that may end up helping somebody that could ultimately – Face not them down the stretch. Anybody. Yeah, anybody. Not right. Yeah. 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 It's not like the Lakers are hurting for money, right? <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, so, you know, I'm looking at going back to when we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, you know, when it looked like they were going to get an Aldrich, um, then, then you felt like, okay, you're set because you would have a big man that you would feel comfortable, you know, if you go up against a, a team with a really good big guy, at least putting him out there for minutes. The, the issue I'm seeing right now is I, I feel pretty good about every team that this team would play in the playoffs except Philadelphia. Because if you have to go up against Philadelphia and Joel Embiid, man, what are you going to do? And, you know, you, you can say, okay, you throw Bam on him, which, yeah, I, th- I think Bam could make life tough for Embiid. I, I think he could play him really, really well. The problem there is that there are other guys on, on Philly who can beat you. And if you decide that you're going to just throw Bam 
at Embiid, right? You take you take away a lot of what makes him so great, which is his help defense and kind of being able to switch off onto guard. Man, which, by the way, as an aside, what about him switching off onto Curry at the end of that game against uh, Golden yeah, State? I'm a last week, yeah. My goodness. I mean, it's just so beautiful to watch. So, you know, because he can do that, you don't want him just sitting in the middle against Joel Embiid for much of that game. In addition to that, you don't want him exhausting himself going up against Embiid because Embiid's going to beat on you. I mean, he's not just – it's not just that Embiid is, is so skilled and, and quick and great footwork, but he's big. I mean, he's going to lean on – so uh, I, I would like to see them get somebody who, if they play Philadelphia in the playoffs, you'd feel comfortable rolling him out there and throwing some minutes. And, look, maybe, maybe you're okay that Bielitsa can, can have some of those minutes for a stretch – um, but, you know, I felt like last year, even though he's shorter, that because Crowder had a little bit of bulk, you could sometimes throw him at those bigger guys and, and at least throw them because of a lower center of gravity. Yeah. Maybe Ariza can do that. Maybe there's some strength there that we haven't seen yet. But Ariza's more of like your, your quick, switchy, athletic uh, type of wing player. So, you know, when you're going back to the whole big man thing, you're almost getting them if you're looking towards the playoffs – you're, you're getting them for one particular matchup and, and maybe a Brooke Lopez. But I, I would feel better if they had somebody that, that could throw some minutes at those big men um, and, and not expecting them in other playoff series to make much of, a, of an impact, but just having somebody to put out there. Yeah, I guess I see your point in that sense. And I, you know what it is? I think I was still sort of holding out hope that that player could be precious. But I think, yeah. well, I think anybody listening now who's a Heat fan, I think you and I agree on this. And, and I think the Heat are starting to see it. Precious isn't ready yet. You know, right. that's, that's the classic case of it's not a knock on the kid. It's not saying he's regressed to the point that you don't think he's a player anymore, that he's not a guy that you, that, you, that you have for the future. I think you see a lot of good in Precious. But I think at the same time, he is a very raw rookie who came in, again, with the COVID situation and the camp and all the things, and last year getting asked to do a lot at Memphis, and, and then all of a sudden he gets in the draft and he comes on a contending team. He is not there yet uh, from a comfort standpoint, from an offensive standpoint. You see him sometimes play a little out of control, you know? Yeah. And it's yeah. understandable. You know, I look back to when Bam was young, you know, in his rookie year. And, I, and look, it's always unfair to compare Precious and Bam because they're, they're not – to expect Precious is going to take the leaps that Bam took is unfair. And quite frankly, they're just not similar players in that sense. You could see the athleticism and the shooting ability from Bam that he wanted to commit to learn how to play and shoot and play offensively early on. He was far from it, but you could see it was there. I'm not sure that Precious will be that kind of player, but I think we, he could be a defensive, tough guy, you know, tough on screens, tough rebounder, defender, you know, re, all those things that, that you drafted him for, just not right now. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, you, that's going to happen, right? You you watch him, and and early in the season, it, it was it, it was like a turbo energy boost and a shot in the arm for the team, and like it was cool, and and you saw like the now it's almost it's it's gone too much, and and it's like yeah, uh, he he needs the game to slow down for him a little bit to steal a football term, right? Like you hear that so many times, especially for quarterbacks in the NFL that, that it takes a certain amount of time for the game to slow down for them. It seems like Precious is, is going, and I'm sure they've told him this, that, man, we need you to go out there and be the effort guy, be the energy guy. Um, and yet there are certain times when you could tell that he's not where he's supposed to be. And, and that's going to come with time. That's going to come with experience. I mean, look, if, if we, you know, think back a couple of years and, and if Bam 
had had to put those sorts of, of minutes in, uh, you know, I'm not sure that, it, you know, on a team that was contending, on a team that had, you know, Eastern Conference Finals, NBA Finals aspirations, you know, I feel like we would have probably looked at, at Bam's start a bit differently as well. I, Precious is just being thrown into a situation right now where the stakes are much higher than they were for Bam in, in his first year. And so, yeah, I mean, when he makes an error right now, and he, if he's in the wrong spot, it's, it, it's, it's at a much critical, much more critical juncture in the season that would have been for Bam a few years ago. And so, yeah, it's, he's going to be fine in time. Um, and, and you can tell that there's going to be, at the very least, he's going to be somebody who's going to come in and, and really boost your rebounding and your defense. And, and maybe the offensive game comes around a bit as well. It's right now you can't afford to have players out there who are making mistakes and, and who aren't where they're supposed to be. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think it, there's probably not enough time without a full off season program, yeah. maybe summer league, uh, then a full training camp, full preseason. Clearly, I think he's one of those players who, who has suffered because of the lack of all of that. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think it, it, it's just unfortunate because I think he could help this team that stretch. He could be that body, but to paint him as the as a disappointment because he's not going to end up being that this year is silly. And I and I, and I look, I know fans get that way because fans want instant gratification. I get it. You know, come on, we're all the same way. We want we want guys to look better than you know right off the bat. We want guys to look this and that. I get it. Like we get it. But at the same time, you have to be understand that it takes patience. And in Precious's case, it's going to take patience probably the rest of the season. He'll get action. It's not like Precious is done playing. I just right. don't know how much of a key rotation piece Precious will be. Now, if they don't acquire that big man, you know, for this run, they may put in, be put in a position where they have to. Because if you're in a game where Bam gets in foul trouble or Bealitz is ineffective or in foul trouble or whatever the case may be, they don't have anybody else. I mean, this is just the way it is, the way they're right. built. So that's why I think uh, – there could be a piece there coming. And again, we get asked it all the time. I just wouldn't expect it to be some game changer. The, the whole conversation we had about the heat, you know, last year picking up Iguodala and picking up Jay Crowder and those pieces that helped them do finals run, that's been done already. That's what Oladipo, Ariza, and Bielitsa have been. I don't think that kind of significant move is out there. It's just not available. I don't think it's coming. I think this Pretty much the team we see now and the one that's won four straight and that's been so good on defense uh, is going to be the team that we see is going to make a run. If they're going to make a run, this is the team you're going to see. Yeah, and let me, let me say one thing about Ariza as well. Um, you know, because I, I think the one thing that we keep trying to do and we, we did leading up to the trade deadline is, all right, let's compare this team to last year's team. And, you know, naturally – I'm, I'm as big of a Jay Crowder fan as you're going to find. I, I just, I love what he brought to that team last year. And, and he was just such a perfect team player, uh, that, that dog mentality, like everything that, that I, I would have loved to have seen him stay. And I think we'd even talked on the pod about, you know, had they known back then what they know now, as far as Giannis resigning and, you know, maybe they would have made a different decision on Jay. So all that to say, what I'm seeing from Ariza right now, I, it's, it's, it's not the exact same thing as, as Crowder, because as I said, I think Crowder would be a little bit better against a big guy. But I think you're, yeah. with Trevor Ariza, you're seeing a few other things that maybe Crowder couldn't do quite as well. I, I think Ariza is a better slasher. And you've seen that a few times where he's, he's gone to the basket and uh, Jimmy and, and Tyler and uh, I think maybe Duncan found him on, on some nice cuts. And, and you know, so 
when you have guys who are spacing the floor out there already, having that extra slasher going to the basket is going to be big. Oladipo is going to be that as well. The three-point shot at times has looked ugly, and yet, you know, the last couple of games, you're starting to see that turn a little bit. And, and I think finally, and I mentioned this at the outset, when you looked at that first possession against Golden State, and then when you've seen this defense in a, a few more possessions since then, you're starting to see where now, as, as good as Crowder was at, at doing that same sort of thing, where is just a different level. Yeah. He's longer. He's a little quicker. Um, so what maybe you've given up on the interior a little bit and, and maybe with the consistent shooting from outside, although Crowder wasn't consistent when he got here, he just happened to get consistent when he put on a heat uniform. Maybe you're going to make up with perimeter defense and with backcourt defense. And, um, you know, so I, I've just been – I've been super impressed by what I've seen out of Ariza. And I'm starting to think that, you know, hey, if we're going to compare this team to last year's team, maybe there are going to be some elements in addition to Oladipo that, that maybe even last year's team didn't have. Yeah, I think we're seeing with Ariza, you know, it's funny. He got here and he was in great shape. That wasn't an issue. Uh, but he couldn't shoot. He couldn't really do much early on, at least in rhythm. And I think Heat fans were like, well, well, this guy's not going to be much of a help, right? Uh, it, it may be a slow process. Who knows? It, let's see what he can bring. Clay, he's a starter. And I don't think yep. – change I think yep. he has taken on that Jay Crowder role and, and what's crazy is I hate it because we compare so often to Jay because Jay was so phenomenal last year you know we get in this whole thing but he has taken over that role and let's be honest he's actually done it quicker than Jay did it because that's true that's true slumping a lot remember Ariza wasn't playing and slumping like Jay was in Memphis Ariza was just training and staying in shape waiting for the call and it happened to come from the heat but he, he turned it around quicker than Jay did. Yeah, yeah. and I – this is it, – it's more – and I guess to your point, right, it's it's more what were your expectations. I mean, I've always, I've always been a big Trevor Reese fan. When they made the move, man, I was – I loved it. I loved the move, but I thought it was going to take more time than this. And he's not there yet. He's going to get better. Um, but I guess I've even been surprised by both him and Oladipo, by the way, because, look, the, the schemes that the Heat run defensively, they're complicated. And you talked about this at the outset, that, man, it could take a whole training camp for guys to figure this out. Victor Oladipo and Trevor Ariza were, were switching maniacally on to, I mean, this is still the Golden State Warriors. And, and no, Clay Thompson's not there. And, but, man, they're still a team that, that moves the ball really well. And they've still got Steph Curry and Draymond Green. And, and they were able to do that and stay interconnected. And it was amazing. And the other thing, Will, and, and this is – we'll wrap it up on this. How about – how many times did you see Victor Oladipo with the ball in his hands in, in crucial times in these last two games? I thought it was really interesting, and it, was, um, uh, it happened at the end of the second quarter in the game against uh, – in, in the most recent game uh, against Cleveland where he had that sweet Euro step in the lane. Well, he's the one who you gave the ball to, to run the clock down with. And then in the previous game, his first game in a Heat uniform, and he had struggled shooting the ball – uh, Golden State had had closed the gap a bit, and they let Oladipo be the one, not Jimmy, they let Oladipo be the one to drain the shot clock, get it to about seven or eight, beat the defense into the lane, get into the teeth of that defense, and then drop a beautiful bounce pass to Tyler Hero for a layup and seal the game. The fact that, that Oladipo and Ariza are already making these contributions on a team that is notorious for being uh, a, a little bit complicated, both defensively and offensively when it comes to their schemes. I, it's super impressive. And I think even though the numbers 
may not show it. I, I've just been super, super impressed by how they've come in and immediately adapted. Yeah, it's, it's really been amazing to watch. And, and it's, it's the thing about this team is that it really starts with defense. I feel really good going into this push. The six-game losing streak, and it's funny because during the six-game losing streak, I wasn't that concerned because I knew that they had made the moves. Remember near the end of the streak was when they got Oladipo and Bielitsa, you know, and everybody was panicking like, oh, you can't just throw a six-game losing streak aside. And you and I had the conversation on Sports Sunday as well where it's like, yeah, it sucks to lose six straight. You can't just say, oh, it's okay because, look, in the, in the thing we talked about earlier about getting the four or five seed or a six and the difference it makes, those six losses in a row, one of those could be the difference. So and he, it may have cost them Aldridge, by the way. Uh, I, I believe Barry Jackson had that report, that, that Aldridge saw them go on that losing streak, and, and it changed his mind. So you're right. And that's, and that's the thing. It's, it's, I get it. I, I, I understand it sucked. It wasn't fun. But, but they fixed it, and they've gotten to the point now. The final thing, too, I know the last thing to me is the Heat offense isn't great right now. Are you okay yep. with where they are right now, meaning that when Oladipo gets going, they'll be better, they'll be fine? Because I do, given that Duncan and Tyler are playing the way and shooting the way we expect them to, especially Duncan, the way he's been of late, but Tyler as well, since the trade deadline, these guys have just been both so much more comfortable and themselves. Once Oladipo gets going, I'm okay with this defense or with this offense because of the defense. Clay, they don't have to score 120 points a game. They did the other night, that Warriors game, the Warriors a little bit more high scoring team. They had to shoot it out a bit, but I don't worry too much because they're a team that can really keep teams under 100. I mean, they could keep quality teams around 100, which is very hard to do in the NBA these days. No, I, I'm zero worries about the offense anymore at all. And for a couple of reasons. Number one, and I think this is the most important one. I mean, Duncan and Tyler look like they each have a, a, a two-ton weight lifted off their backs. You know, I, I mean, I can't imagine what it was like. Because they're, they're still two, you know, Tyler Hero is, what, just turned 21 years old. Duncan Robinson is somebody who... He's bounced around, you know, and not, not, not in the NBA, but like bounced around. G League had to fight just to get a G League spot. They had to fight just to get – I mean, so you have players who, yes, you know, they've been doubting their careers, and, and yet they're still awfully young in their NBA lives to be dealing with trade deadline stuff. And so I'm sure there's that human element, as Eric Spolster talked about, where, man, it was tough to deal with. And it's not a coincidence that since the deadline – those those guys look like they're different players and they look like they're more confident and and more comfortable again and they're looking like the players that that we saw last season that helped this team go on that run that's the first thing the second thing with Trevor Ariza and and Victor Oladipo in particular I think the number of easy shots and open shots and and comfortable in rhythm shots that this entire team is going to get is going to go through the roof and I I kind of I guess you kind of we're hoping that was what was going to happen. And yet seeing it play out over the first two games since Oladipo started where he just, and, and it's not even like he's, I wouldn't even call him elite at, at getting into the lane and, and, and doing all. It's just that the Heat didn't have anybody other than Jimmy Butler that could do that consistently. Goran Dragic when, when he's healthy and uh, you feel comfortable getting him the ball and, and, and letting him kind of, you know, do, do what he does best. But, man, they didn't have anybody. And, and seeing what Oladipo's been able to do to get in the lane, such a smart player, getting guys open looks, it's already happening. And, and so I just I, – I feel like the rhythm is only going to get better and better. And, um, you know, so, yeah, because of all that, I am comfortable with the offense. And, you know, who knows? Maybe everybody regresses 
regresses back again shooting wise. But but my bet is that we've kind of hit the bottom, and and you know the the team that we're going to see moving forward is going to look a lot more like the offense that we saw last year. I think so too. I think I think this team is trending in the right direction as it stands. Entering the new week, you know they're back above five hundred. They've won four in a row. Memphis on Tuesday will be there. Thursday as well against the Lakers. And then that road trip starting off in Portland and includes a stop in Phoenix. That is a tough, tough trip. But if this team can win a couple, get itself in good shape above 500, and then, you know, steal a game or two on that West Coast trip, you're feeling good that final 15 push that they're going to be in position to be the four or five seed. As you said earlier, I mean, you can kiss the one through three seed goodbye. And that's okay. That's okay. The, I hate comparing to last year. Oh, they were five seed last year. They made it to the finals. But well, the way this conference is structured, they just got to get that four or five. You get that, you feel good they can win that first round series and then see what they have against the big boys, so to speak, in that second round of the postseason. So that is our heat chat for this week, a very important week. We'll continue with much more. Of course, as the uh, month of April goes on, we've got the NFL draft coming up and so much more. And oh yeah, shout out for the Panthers who start the new week with the uh, most wins and most points in the NHL. Yeah. Yeah, the Panthers showed it there for real. So that is that. We appreciate listening and subscribing. That is your Miami Sports Podcast.